Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just as a reminder, next week is kind of a big deal. It is Easter, amen? And uh, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ every Sunday and especially on Easter. And so we look forward to seeing you and uh, your neighborhood and those that you would bring with you. 8.30 and 10.30 are two service times next week. And uh, pray that you will find yourself in front of the gospel once again on Easter Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any other of the apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. Lord, this is your church. This is your word. These are your people. This is your message. Would you please work in our hearts? Lord, and knowing that you will, I pray, Father, that our hearts will be open. And God, if we have heard the old, old story of you and your love so many times over the years, it's just my prayer today, Father, that we would hear it again fresh and anew. Lord, we pray over recent tragedy near to us. Lord, we pray over those who have lost life and homes, Lord, by natural disaster in Mississippi, even here in our state. Lord, we certainly pray over those in the Nashville area, God, who are grieving the loss, Father, because of evil. And so, Lord, we look to you, Father, for answers. We look to you, O oh Lord, for solutions. And Father, trusting God that your word is enough. And Father, that your spirit would guide us into all truth today. Lord, we thank you once again, Lord, that we are not left to wonder who you are, what you're like, and what to go by. But we have the Bible. And so God, would you guide us today, Lord. Father, for all of those who have come in, Lord, some knowing exactly why they're here, some not even knowing why, they got, why they're here or how they got here, Lord, I just pray that you would make it plain to us in this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, in a moment of clarity of sorts, I was reminded why we are here today, why we have decided to get up early on a day where most are not working or work is not required of most, why we have all dedicated time this morning to be here together, even dedicated money to get here. And to, we got up and got dressed and we made the drive to attend this gathering. 
And the word, I believe, for the reason is hope. It's hope. That's the reason why we are here. We desire a better day. We desire a better way for ourselves and maybe for those that we've brought here with us. We are still searching for answers. We are searching for solutions to problems, and we are looking for new life. We are looking for eternal life. And so we have come to church today. We have put ourselves in front of the Word, not exactly knowing all of the answers, but just trusting that God can give them to us. And so we come today because of hope. For those who have placed their hope in Almighty God already, what once was a desire is now a confident expectation because of Jesus. Our hope is now with a base instead of without one, and we're no longer looking for a better way. We're no longer looking for eternal life because we found that in Jesus. And because of God's promises, we no longer wonder. Now we wait on the Lord, and we follow him, and we learn him, and we worship him until our living hope is realized. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In one way or another, we are here today because of hope. Hope that we don't have or hope that we do have. And with that in mind and with that established, I offer you this quote from a notable author and pastor that declares, one of the greatest enemies of hope is forgetting. And so Paul says to the church in Corinth, in verse one, let me now remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. And then verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me that Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. Now, not everybody has the same context. Not everybody has the same history. I will say that I have heard that Jesus died for my sins since I was a little boy. I've heard it, I've sang it. The old hymn that we started this last song off with is one that is not lost on me. It's one that is familiar to me. And as we sat there, as we stand here, and we sing about being washed by the blood of the Lamb and that we are considered white as snow, I just wonder if we need a reminder of that this morning, that our, our status before God was once separate is now the gap is closed because of the blood of Jesus, because of the work of God. And we lift these songs that we sing weekly that speak to those things that we've always known, either personally or just by the association of culture that we live in. And I just wonder if we would need a reminder of the magnitude and the majesty of God's grace unto us through Jesus. And so Paul says to Corinth, let me remind you of what is most important. The passage that is written is a review. That the passage that is written to them is, is a review of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. This is not a new message to them. It was once heard by them, welcomed by them, believed by them. It was received by them. But while the New Testament Folks lived in a different time, and they lived in a different environment. They lived in a different culture, a different context. We're all very much the same. 
Our minds, just like their minds, are challenged by godless messages today. Our minds, just like their minds, and our lives, just like their lives, are distracted by life as it requires time and attention to things of the world that are not necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily the greatest thing either. Their faith was contested by their own doubt, by the skepticism of others, by different ideas. You see, we're very much the same in that regard. So Paul, to counter all of this and knowing all of this, doesn't give them anything new in chapter 15. He simply reminds them of the foremost message of God, that God makes sinners right in his sight and fit for heaven through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He also reminded them that they had received that message. You have been convinced of this, the truth of Jesus. You have been convinced in your heart of the love and the grace and the pardon of God through Jesus. Like, this is a truth of God that you received into your heart and to your life. With that in mind, let me review what we've been through before. When God deals with the people of Israel in the Old Testament, God does not merely say, this is God. Rather, we often read, this is the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You see how that works? That God is reminding them of who they are in relation to what he has done. His people, a forgetful people, Israel, have always needed reminders of what God had done for them. And so he reminds them, I'm one that needs reminders. I love sticky notes. I'm old school and I keep a calendar where I write it down with a pencil. And a pencil on purpose so that I erase it when I make a mistake, right? I, I, I like reminders. Those that are around me, I encourage them to remind me so that I won't forget. On the email feature of your email where you click the red flag, I have to do that. And sometimes I forget to do that. But I'm also not distant from the current ways that we are reminded. Even as I typed this message this week, there were notifications on the applications of my phone that popped up while I'm studying that are reminders. <clears throat> There's even one application on my phone called Remind. How many of you are on Remind, right? Yeah, all across the, there's some of you are like, why are you asking? All across, the, all across the room today. And even on Remind app, there's a little number six with a red background that lets me know I've got six unread reminder messages from groups that I'm a part of. We need reminding. And here's why. Reminders help one remember what they believe is important. At some time in that remind app, I have signed up for messages that will come to me because I have said in my heart and mind that what you've got to tell me is important, that I'm going to put my name on this and have you send me stuff. You see, we, we, what we were reminded of or what we want to be reminded of reminds us of what we believe is important. Just a few years ago, I had a, a new family that, that joined the church. And I say me because we had a relationship with that family. And that that family, we had gone back a number of years. They had joined the church, and, and I'd known them for a while. And then for a few weeks, they were strong in commitment. God was doing a work in their life. And for a short while, man, it was evident. And then right after that month or so had passed, one week, two weeks, three weeks, even four weeks went by before we saw them again. And so the Lord put on my heart the name of this family. Reach out to them. And by faith, I believe God continued to put their name on my heart, and I'm fighting it. 
I just want you to know that the leaders of your church do not relish in picking up the phone and going, hey, where y'all at? Like, that's not something we love to do. So I'm fighting it, and I'm making excuses like this. I'm saying to the Lord, like, and saying to others, really, they know, they know. I know that they know. And so time continued by, and God continued to put their name on my heart and mind. So one day, I took a holy risk and picked up the phone and reached out and said, hey, man, I reached out to the dad and said, I'm just letting you know you're on my heart. We haven't seen you in a while. We'd love to see you again. Very, something very simple as that. And this was his response to me in that message. It wasn't, how dare you? It wasn't, who is this? It wasn't any of those things where it was a bristled up kind of response. It was a response like this. Man, we got no excuses. We dropped out again and we need to be back. Thank you so much for reaching out. We all need reminders, don't we? We all need accountability. We all need people to help us remember what we have declared in our heart is important. We all are, are that way because we are forgetful people, just like Israel has been in the Old Testament. And there's a lot in this life and a lot to this life, and life is a lot to keep up with. And sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not mindful, we'll drift away from the views and values that ring true in our heart as a result of just living. So this is the practical part of why the church meets together regularly. This is why we have a weekly schedule that we go by. This is why the Bible app on your phone wants to send you notifications daily to remind you of what you have decided is important. This is why your church leaders reach out to you if it's been too long since we've seen you, why your group leaders, why ministries here and ministers reach out to you when it's been too long since we've seen you. And this is ultimately why, because we are following the lead of the Holy Spirit, it's ultimately why God's Spirit strives with us each day to remind us of who we belong to. Why God's Spirit never lets us go through a day if we belong to God without reminding us of God's standard and God's purpose for our life. God reminds us through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 14, 26, listen, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative... That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, and watch this, and will remind you of everything that I have said. God's Spirit guides you to the work and to the word of Jesus as recorded in the Scriptures so that we are not far each day from the truth of God because by our profession of faith, we have determined that the truth of God is important in our life. And so he reminds us. And the ministry of reminding is a great part of my responsibility as a Christian minister. A lot of what I preach and teach and counsel, it's not new information. It's things that I'm simply reminding you of. The same thing when those have preaching to me and I'm sitting before a sermon or before people that are pouring into my life. I'm simply being reminded of what God has already taught me in his word and what I have declared is important. It's reminders from God's word to a believing heart. Now listen to this. If our hearts do not receive reminders of God's word, the word of God that led to our salvation, then maybe what we declared as important was really never important at all or to begin with. And this is the message that Paul preached when first with them. And he has now reminded them of this. It is the gospel. Paul is reminding them 
of the gospel, the old, old story of Jesus and his love, the good news. And he says there in verse 3, I passed on to you, almost like y'all remember when I came the first time and preached to you. In that message, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what was passed on to me, which is the good news. The good news is the truth that God rescues sinners from sin. And here's how from verses 3 through 8. The first thing he says in chapter 15, verse 3, is Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. Amen. Jesus died for our sins. This was the sermon that Paul delivered when he arrived in Corinth. Now, he may have given it a cute title or something that popped on screen, but it was Jesus died for our sins. It's that simple and it's that serious. See, many people in the Roman Empire were crucified, y'all. That's, that's not a thing that was outside the norm. But only one died sacrificially for the sins of the world. By the loving will of God, the Son of God suffered on a criminal's cross that was not his own so that whosoever would believe in him would not be separate from God forever but would experience eternal life. And this is what Isaiah 53.5 meant when the prophet said, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. This is what the Bible means when Paul says, just as the scriptures said. So many were thinking that and during this time that their efforts would make them good enough to get to heaven. And then there were others that thought, my efforts will never be good enough to get me to heaven, and both of them are sinners. And maybe that's what you think today. As long as I keep doing these things, God ought to let me in. And then some of you may be here today thinking it doesn't matter what I do, God will never let me in. And all of us are in the same category of sin if not for the grace of God through Jesus. The hope for all who would believe is delivered when Paul preached the message, Jesus died for our sins. That God gave of himself to accomplish what you could not accomplish on your own. And because God did it for your sins, it doesn't count you out. And this is why Paul preached this in Acts, the Bible says in Acts 20, 21, that he preached the same message to the Jews and Greeks alike. Christ died for your sins, so turn from your sin and turn to God by faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the message that we continue to preach now. That if you're thinking about all the things that are going on in your life and all the things that you need in your life, what you need is a right relationship with God because as the scripture said that we saw in the front, he is the source of hope and the source of eternal power. What you need is a right relationship with God, period, to start with. So many were thinking that they were lost. So many thinking that they were found. But Jesus in the gospel announces that God has provided all of the answers to the questions of our heart. He has provided all of the solutions to the problems of our sin. And as he's preaching the gospel to the church, let me remind you that biblical preaching deals with sin. Biblical preaching deals with sin. When we talk about sin and preach on sin, it's not to run folks down. It's meant to help us recognize our need for God before and after salvation. The good news of grace is good because the bad news of sin is bad. And I remember a time in my life when I was at a guilty distance from God 
And not just one time, but there's been multiple times where I have come to the sanctuary not wanting to be there. In fact, in my heart thinking, this is the last place that I want to be, but the Spirit of God reminding me, this is the first place you need to be. As I have sat in front of the gospel, and God used the man of God, the word of God, the Spirit of God to keep me close by calling out sin and inviting me once again to his grace and his love and to surrender to his power and lordship. Jesus died for our sins. And the scripture goes on to say simply, Jesus was buried, but he raised from the dead. Now, that's a showstopper. He was buried, but he was raised from the dead. The Bible says he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures say. And the reason for this reminder in the first place is because this whole thing has to do with skepticism surrounding the resurrection. Corinth was a Greek city. Lord Jesus, take us the rest of the way. Clear our minds and hearts for your word in Jesus' name. Corinth was a Greek city, and Greeks did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Scripture says in Acts chapter 18, when Paul was preaching in Athens, Greece, he was teaching about the resurrection of the dead, and it was met from the participants there listening with laughter and contempt. They laughed at the notion that, that there would be those that would raise from the dead. And I, I would concur that it is laughable to think that any of us could raise from the dead. In fact, I would suggest to you that it is supernatural to believe that one could raise from the dead. Are you hearing me? Others who were believers thought that the resurrection was not that important to Christianity. You don't really have to believe in the resurrection and all that to be forgiven of your sin and go to heaven. But the resurrection of the dead is an integral part of Christianity. It's an integral part of the good news. God did not just send his son to die and leave it at that. He raised him over death so that we may live new lives. The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Y'all, if Jesus did not overcome death, then he is not God. That would mean that we are still under the curse of sin. If Jesus did not defeat death, that would mean that we have no real hope of overcoming death in the grave ourselves. The only reason why we stand at a graveside as Christian ministers and preach around that graveside that this is not the final resting place, that there will be a great getting up morning, is because of the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who has overwhelmed that grave that we stand beside. And this is the promise and the power of the gospel. If Jesus did not overcome death, he is not God. The Bible says in chapter 15, verse 17, you can see it there. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Now, let's sing that song about being washed again one more time. Amen? And think about when we see this scripture, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is useless. You're still guilty of your sins. But he has been raised. So what does that mean? It means that our faith is useful and we are pardoned from sin. If Jesus did not raise the concept of new life, was a good thought, but it would be a dead idea. Meaning, there's no reason to hope and be here today for hope in God to change your life if Jesus, the Son of God, died like any other. But the scripture says in chapter 15, verse 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. How so? 
Because the one that is the object of our faith is the one that has conquered death in the grave for the glory of God and the good of man. How so? How so? He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Some of you may have forgotten that God is the God of new some of you may have forgotten that God in his job description is giving new life. He is the God of creation. He is the God of salvation. Jesus reversed the curse of sin of our inherited nature on that cross and by the resurrection gave all the power of God. The spirit of God that's wrapped up in us is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and the spirit of God recreates us from the inside out. Oh, we need reminders, do we not? Reminders of the useful faith that we have. And then to validate all this, Paul says, he was seen, y'all. Like, this is not something that we're just making up. It is historical fact. Verses 5 through 8 gives us the facts. There were witnesses to the death of Christ. There were witnesses to the resurrected Christ over roughly a 40-day period and before the ascension of Jesus, he was seen by Peter. He was seen by James. He was seen by all the apostles. 500 of his followers saw the resurrected Jesus. And miraculously, he was seen by Paul on the Damascus Road. Paul, y'all, the author of this passage. Paul was a non-believer. And when he saw the resurrected and ascended Christ, he was working against the church. And then the light of Jesus changed his life, and Paul went from persecuting Christians to himself being persecuted for the gospel. This was the testimony of our witnesses. But Paul, listen to this part, Paul was writing some 18 years later. So he was reminding them of factual history. He was going back to what was so that what is will be what was, if that makes sense to you see that should not be forgotten by the early church and it should not be forgotten by Lindsay Lane in 2023 Paul said now y'all listen to this as we're hanging on we're getting ready to close and I say we're getting ready we're just getting ready we're not there I didn't get to preach last week y'all remember <laughs> Paul said this message he gave to the Corinthians when he preached was the most important it was first it was above all the other messages. Listen to this. Gospel above all. Gospel above all. Above every message that the church could pass on. The good news that God saves is foremost. Above all of them. Jesus died for our sin. He defeated death. That is more important than our worship preference. That is more important than the discussion of who your favorite Christian leader is. That is more important than how often we take communion. That is more important than the message a couple weeks ago on God and the government. The good news is above all of those messages. It's about the truth and the grace of the good news, the old redemption story that all the other messages should be viewed from, the lens of the gospel. The meaningful death, the powerful life of Jesus is, is what we cannot turn loose of in the church. It's what's most important. Now, let, let's get a little deeper. Above the message that the church often discusses and disagrees with, 
Even above that are the messages that we say in our daily life, such as the messages of set goals and work hard, get your education. Above the messages of family first, above the messages of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, above all of those messages is the gospel. Steve Jobs said, the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. But Jesus said, it's better to lose your life for his sake than to keep it. Albert Einstein has said, if you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, not people or things. Paul was saying, it's not your work, it's God's work that is the foremost above all. It's not your goal, it's God's goal of redemption in the world that is the purpose in every Christian's heart. Above messages about equality, above messages about empowerment, above messages about inclusion, above messages about social justice. The good news is not about what we do. The good news is about what God has done. And listen to this, so don't lose me after those words. It's out of that. It's out of the grace and truth about God. It's out of the love and justice of God that we administer all other messages that would affect the world around us for his glory and the good of man. And I'll just tell you, the longer that we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, the longer that I look at the gospel of Jesus Christ as I preach it again to you, as I go back over it in my own heart, my own mind, the gospel being the grand message of the grand narrative of Scripture, the more we look at it, the more we accomplish what the world needs. We will deny ourselves. We will value others. We will see the truth that we've not seen before the longer we look in the mirror of Scripture that points to the gospel, and we'll have the right kind of confidence, and we'll lose the wrong kind of pride the longer we look at the gospel. The good news of God continues to change the way that I see myself. The good news of God continues to change the way that I see people, and I mean all people. When we look at the gospel, we will love each other, we will love our neighbor, and we will love our enemy because of the gospel. The gospel changes my relationships with people, but the gospel also changes my relationship with sin. One day, a Christian minister went to a yard sale. He found a weed eater. It's about that time right now, right? And he, he bought it. He bought this weed eater at a great price at this yard sale. He returned home. He filled it with gas, and he began to pull the cord, and he pulled it about 10 times and nothing, 10 more times and nothing, and he did all the things he knew to do, and he pulled the cord a few more times, still nothing happened, and he was filled with frustration. The day was not out yet. He goes back to the yard sale. He takes the weed eater with him, and the former owner says, oh man, I forgot to tell you. The one thing you need to start is that you need to cuss at this weed eater before it'll actually jump up and start. <laughs> You've got to cuss it out, or it's not gonna happen. And the Christian minister said, cuss at it. He said, man, I'm just a, I'm just a Christian minister. He said, I, 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 I know who I am now. I can't do that. He said, I don't even know if I can remember how to cuss anymore. It's been so long. And the former owner replied, just keep pulling that rope, pastor, and it'll come back to you. <laughs> My jokes never land. That was good. You know, I'm sure we can remember what our favorite sin is. Our, our pastor Emeritus, I remember Brother Dusty even saying before, he's not forgotten how to cuss. I'm not saying anything you hadn't already said, right? 
He's not forgotten. Y'all, we remember what it's like. We remember our sin. We remember how to get there. We remember why some of those things were our favorite sins. We've not forgotten it. We've not forgotten how to get to it. But the gospel changes our relationship to sin. And so, what is the response? Because reminders solicit a response. Otherwise, what was thought to be important never really was important. If a reminder doesn't jolt you to do something with it, something about it, and the response to a reminder usually is that it reminds you there's something that you need to do, next steps that you need to take, there's something that you need to accomplish. You need to get in those classes, you need to send that email. You need to follow up with that person. Whatever it is, those reminders usually lead to things that you need to do. But in this case, the response to a reminder is a, to a reminder for us to remember what we believe. What we believe. Paul reminded them of their belief. You heard it, you welcomed it, you received it, he said. Saying in verse two, the good news saves you if you continue to believe the message. Meaning, when the scripture says the good news saves, if, that word if is a, a element of condition. If it is conditional, it means that if there's quit in your salvation, if you, if you just quit and no longer means anything to you, your belief has never been one of convincement, it's one of shallow observation. The scripture says demons believe the gospel to be true, but they don't love God. They have no love for Jesus. They have no love for his word and for the church. It's an observance that has not reached the heart. Real salvation doesn't quit. Real salvation endures. Real salvation lasts through skepticism. It battles through doubt and drought. And Paul had not forgotten his salvation. He had not forgotten who he was. And when he met Christ and how God had saved him, he had not forgotten his testimony. He said in chapter 15, verse 10, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. Remember the quote from the beginning of the message? One of the greatest enemies of hope is forgetting. So when we are reminded, the response is to return. For this reason, I would encourage us to consider that while you may come and sit in front of the word of God each week, that a responsibility of a Christian is to remind yourself of the gospel to remind yourself by studying the word, by putting yourself in front of biblical preaching, by, by seeking accountability from the church, that a response to a Christian is to remind yourself and preach it back to you so that you may share it with others. Sharing it with others is a reminder of what God has done for you. Lamentations chapter three, verses 21 through 24 says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Bible says, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. For some of you that are struggling with security and identity, preach the gospel to yourself. And find the value that God has for you as you are included in for God so loved the world. You are in the world, that means God loves you. You've been created in the image of God. 
If you're struggling with those kinds of feelings about yourself, before you start seeking out all of the kinds of things that everybody would say, and before you entertain the, the adversary's thoughts about you, go to the gospel and allow the Spirit of God to remind you that God gave of himself and sent his son to die for you out of his love for you. And if you're thinking to yourself, I have, I have believed that, but my sin continues to creep up, preach it to yourself again. Go back and see. You know, something I heard recently is that God is, is all-knowing, Amen. That is a characteristic of God. Because he is all-knowing, he knows the sin that has been, is, and will be in your life. Therefore, the blood of Jesus, because of the characteristic of God, covers you. My word, man, preach it to yourself. Write your own sermons. Read them. Journal. Read it to yourself. Write it to yourself. Speak it to yourself. Psalm 77, 11 through 12 says, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. I recall all you have done. Return and remind yourself of the belief. Jesus died for sin and raised to life to give us hope. Let's stand to our feet. I would encourage you to take a next step of faith, to take a step of obedience to consider joining this church that will constantly put the reminders of God's word in front of you. I would encourage you today that if you need that next step of faith and somebody to help you take it, maybe you don't even know what you need, you just know that you need God. That's why we stay after, that's why we have decision counselors here, that's why the pastors are at the front here, because we want to help you. We wanna help you take next steps of obedience to the God who gave of himself and sent his son to die for you the Son of God that raised in all the power of God over the grave to give you hope of eternal life. Lord Jesus, responding to this in faith, being saved is as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord. It's as serious as repentance. Lord, as you have written that in your word, to turn from sin and turn to you. If there be one in here today, Lord, that needs Salvation, God, that they would simply and seriously call on you with all their heart right now. Father, I pray that your peace, your spirit would surround them, God, as they, by faith, call to you, Lord, to be saved, to be forgiven. Lord, for the long-time Christian, the short-time Christian that's wondering what to do with sin, God, I pray, Father, that they would trust in your word that if they confess their sins, you are faithful and just to forgive them of their sins. Spirit of God, in all the things that we're dealing with in our life, in our heart, in our mind, I pray, oh God, that you would bring to mind and heart, Lord, your word and lead us to do what you would have us to do, Father, as a response. Lord, if there are practical things that we need to follow up with, or God, if there be a reminder of the belief that we have once placed faith in, God, that you would lead us to that today. Lead us back, O oh Lord. God, move on our hearts, Lord, to do whatever we need to do, Father. In this time, Lord, if it's to worship you or if it's to walk the aisle, would you take control? We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. This altar is open for you to pray. This altar is open for you to worship. We're going to sing now. We have time for response. Our decision counselors are here. Pastors are here. We would love to meet and help you today.